Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of Doctor Discussion. Now I'm here with a very special guest. Hello, my name's Adam Martin and I am the creator and host of AMTV. You can find me at Adam Martin on YouTube and I just sort of make videos about, well, whatever I like really. Doctor Who, classic TV, nostalgic TV, who wants to be a millionaire, now that's what I call music. I just sort of do a bit of everything and I've been doing it for... Oh, that's a question. <laughs> I've been on YouTube for, I, I, well, I started my channel in 2012, so eight years ago, quite a long time ago in YouTube space. But I'd say I've been doing it seriously, more as like a, a hobby, professional-ish videos. I've been doing that since about 2016, so I've been doing this about four years now. Yeah, and so in today's episode, I will be, we'll be discussing points of Doctor Who, because he's also a Doctor Who fan, as we'll find out today. Now, my first question is, what is your favourite Doctor Who VHS that you currently own? Oh, my favourite Who VHS. That's a very good question. Um, well, I think I think it's got to be, are we talking in terms of like the actual story or like just the VHS itself, like the packaging and the design? Both, really. Both. Okay. Well, my favourite uh, classic Who story, it tends to change a lot, but I have two that are always you know, back and forth being my favourites. And that's The Tomb of the Cybermen from Patrick Troughton's time and uh, Remembrance of the Daleks. Now, sadly, I don't own Tomb of the Cybermen on VHS yet. However, I do own Remembrance. And I, I mean, I, the VHS art's really cool, but annoyingly, because it came in a special tin with the chase, the VHS box is different to like the rest of them. You know how most of the VHS is like in the plastic clamshell, you open it up sort of thing? Well remembrance is just in a sort of like slidey cardboard case like they have in america so it's smaller and it's different so when you look at it on the shelf part of my brain's going oh no it doesn't fit it doesn't fit but yeah so remembrance is probably my favorite story on vhs my favorite in terms of the artwork i like a lot of the third doctor ones you know doctor who and the silurians inferno actually inferno and do you know what? ambassadors of death is probably like my favorite vhs because it's a story Hardly anyone seems to like, but I really love it. And uh, the VHS version as well, half of it's in black and white because they didn't have the techniques to restore it to colour like they did for DVD. So it's quite a unique VHS. It's it's one of the later ones, 2002, I believe. But um, yeah, it's probably my favourite that I own. I, I quite like the VHS as well because I, I think that my more interest when you buy them now and you watch them back, you can tell the difference between them and then you can with the DVD because the quality is like a bit off with the VHS, but it makes it more authentic than the DVD. Yeah, that's it. There's more of a charm, isn't there? And in a way, it makes it it makes it closer to how I guess you would have seen it if you watched it live at the time. Like that, I watched um, you know, the Daleks, the uh, the second ever story with William Hartnell. I think that tape release came out in 1990 or something and it's not a very good mastering you know like there's scratches all over the film and the sound quality dips in and out all the time but if I'd have been watching that back in 1963 that probably would have happened as well you know like scratchy picture bad audio so if anything I felt like I was watching a more authentic experience and those people who say oh there's no point in collecting Doctor on VHS anymore well like you say, there's positives. One, it's a more authentic experience. Two, you get some great cover art. Three, and it's it's relatively cheap to collect for now. I don't know if you found this, but I found it's really easy to like get loads of tapes, you know, quite cheaply compared to the DVDs or the Blu-rays. Yeah, because I I've, I've when you go on Amazon, you find you type in like a certain genre on VHS. They're all there. A lot of them are all there. Like there's one left, and you have to get them really quickly. But they are really cheap. Which make which makes them more affordable to, for more people to get. Whereas the DVDs, they're really expensive and the like higher prices because the more of them. People are trying to make bootleg versions and and copies that aren't the actual versions, and then you get confused with the VHS. And you can tell which one's authentic, which one's it isn't. That's it. I think the only downside to VHS, obviously, is they can't do you know special features and stuff because I love. Um... I love that. That's what I loved about the DVD range and you know, all like the behind the scenes and the cast interviews and the little bits and pieces of ephemera. And I guess I'd say, you know, if you if if any of your listeners are the sort of who, you know, who's maybe not bothered about all that behind the scenes stuff, then the VHS might be better to collect for because it'll be cheaper in the long run. But if you want, you know, special features and you want better picture quality, then, yeah, probably stick to the DVDs and 
Blu-rays. But I think there's still a space for VHS in the Whovian community, you know? Everyone's, like, saying, oh, they're dying off, there's no point. I think there's a lot of point to the, the VHS range. But I think the only downside is the space. When you put them in, like, a room oh, or yeah. area, they're really bulkier than the DVDs. You can't fit as many in. Well, this is it. I mean... That that was the only downside. I mean, you might have seen on my channel, and your viewers might have as well. I did a video a few weeks ago where I got a massive VHS haul of Doctor Who. I got about sixty tapes, and I only paid about fifteen pounds, which you know is insane. That's less than twenty pence a tape. Um, but I knew buying it, you know, I wasn't realistically going to be able to, you know, keep them all. I just didn't have the I didn't have the space. But I thought, you know, sixty tapes at fifteen quid, I'm not going to pass that deal up, regardless. So I've I've kept about half. I think there's about 30 titles. And I was really picking, you know, which stories do I enjoy the most? Which do I think I'll watch on VHS? And um, I got quite a lot of flack. Like, so, well, I, I joke. It wasn't really that bad. But I, like of the stories that I wanted to keep, people were saying, like, why is there no Tom Baker, Doctor Who that you keep in? And this is probably going to be quite controversial. I love Tom Baker. Don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic Doctor. Like, everything people say about him, yeah, he's really top-notch. But I don't know what it is. A lot of his stories, whether it's like the tone or the right, I just I don't connect with them as much as I do the other Doctors. So I think actually the only Tom Baker story I've decided to keep on VHS is the double pack of um, the Sontaran experiment and Genesis. Because, I mean, Genesis, yeah, is one of the best two stories of all time. It's not the best, in my opinion. A lot of people think it is. But, you know, I'd still pick, you know, Tomb of the Cybermen, Remembrance, Caves of Androzani even I'd put above Genesis. But... Yeah, I guess I felt in my head after people telling me I should keep at least one Tom Baker tape, I was like, well, I better keep Genesis then. But I actually would like some more Tom Baker on VHS, um, The Deadly Assassin, Logopolis, things like that. Yeah, because for me, with my my room like big in itself, but I'm like already struggling for room because I have all the Doctor Who DVDs and then I have all my other VHSs that like taking up too much room and you have to think to yourself, well, where else are you going to put it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had to make a very difficult decision with the, you know, the Blu-ray sets that have been coming out of Classic Who. When they first came out, I passed up on them because I didn't have a Blu-ray player. But then when I got one, I was like, oh, I'll get these. And my original plan was, yep, I'll get the Blu-rays, but I'll be, you know, I'll keep the DVDs. I spent 10 years building them up. There's no way I'm getting rid of them. But then sadly, again, as you say, like, I just didn't have the space. So I've had to do the sacrificial thing of if I get a season on Blu-ray, I then have to sell on my dvds and to be fair most if not all of the special features on the blu-rays are on the dvds if you know what i mean so i guess the only reason you'd want to keep the dvds is just for having a complete dvd shelf but i think i've got over that now yeah um so my next question is who's your favorite doctor from my classic and new it's all put together we're going to name it as one whole genre so the whole of doctor who who's your favorite doctor my favourite Doctor is Doctor Number 12, Peter Capaldi. Uh, for a very, very long time, it was William Hartnell, the very first one. Because, um, I mean, when you watch his stuff now, you know, he's, his performance is so unique because I guess back then they didn't really know fully who, you know, the Doctor was as a character. So he's wildly different. But then Capaldi came in and he's just in my, as an actor myself, like for anyone who doesn't know, I'm, I'm a professional actor. That's like my main uh, career path. As an actor, I think Capaldi is the best actor who's ever taken on the role. Like, not all of the writing for his time was brilliant, but he would take that writing and still, you know, deliver a great performance. So, and his stories are ones I can just go back and rewatch. I never get bored of them. They still impact me a lot. So, yeah, Capaldi's my favorite. And I really hope one day, I know he's probably not going to do it right now, but I hope one day he does come back to, you know, like Big Finish, like some of the other Doctors have. Um, but I get why he's not doing it now. I mean... You know, you've you've done a role for three, four years. You don't want people saying, "Oh, well, come back and do it straight away." Do you know what I mean? As an actor, you want to do you want to do some different things for a while. But I'd like to think he'll he'll come back eventually. Because I think he might come back in the sixtieth anniversary, which is very very close. Mm, three years away. Uh, and it'd be something. It'd be something that would make this. 60th better than the 50th because the 50th you only had you had the current doctor then you had the one previous doctor and and you would want you would want more to it and you want to see how how he would react to seeing a female doctor in the role yeah that's it completely i mean i remember I, as soon as you know christopher eccleston announced he was coming back to do the um the big finish audios next year i saw instant 
you know speculation online people being like oh that means that in- that instantly means he's going to come back and do the 60th on tv and i'm like well no it, it doesn't mean i think that's that's one of the issues i think sometimes you know we all do it we as whovians think like if an actor says they're doing one project we instantly assume they're like on board for everything else and i think especially with christopher eccleston and the turbulent time he went with the program itself i think it's still going to take a lot of convincing for him to come back and do the 60th on tv but i'm glad he's doing big finish i will be i will be buying those boxes yeah probably. but they'd be they'd be quite expensive to start off with so i i might just like wait a few weeks and that for the price to go down just a slight because they're very expensive if you get them from the big fish website when you do yeah. get them from the big finish website you do also get a free download which i think is an added bonus it is yeah i mean i i'm always in like a torn place with big finish because i know like i want to support the company you know i want to try and buy things from them to help keep them going because a lot of their box sets are based on you know pre-orders they'll say oh we're doing this if we get this amount of pre-orders it'll you know it'll come out um but as you say quite rightly at the same time it is very expensive even with the free download i mean again i did a video on my channel you might have seen it and i'd recommend you viewers check it out i got a big finish haul off facebook marketplace from someone who was selling all their box sets and they clearly bought them from big finish because they were all sealed um about so i'm guessing you know they just had the downloads um i paid about 105 pounds for about 13 box sets and i worked out if i if i had bought those 13 box sets brand new from big finish it would have cost me an extra you know 350 pounds so in that case i'm like yeah i'll buy it second hand but i think you're right waiting for the sales there was one the other week for the doom coalition series with paul mcgann's doctor and normally i think that would have been what was the price i worked it out for all four box sets it would have been like 155 pounds but they were doing a, a big sale, so I managed to get them for less than half the price. So yeah, I think if you're into big finish, wait for a few sales. But if you're like really desperate for something, I think every now and then it's worth buying it brand new. Yeah. Well, speaking of Paul McGann's Doctor, what's your thoughts on the TV movie? Because I quite liked it. I liked it so much. I got it on DVD, but it was like the Dutch version of the DVD, which is quite oh, right. bizarre. So what's your thoughts on the movie itself? The TV movie. Well, I first, I mean, when I first got into Doctor Who, I was nine years old. That was back in 2005. And, you know, very quickly I learned this, you know, there were other Doctors and the show had been on for all this time. And the TV movie, I didn't get to see straight away. It was quite, you know, elusive. It was like, oh, this Doctor Who only did one story and like, what was it like and blah, blah, blah. And then I saw it on, um, I was at a car boot sale and I actually got it on VHS for one pound. So I was like, yeah, I'm watching this. And as a 10 year old, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I think for, for kids, you know, let's face it when you're really young and you're not thinking critically, like if it's entertaining, it's entertaining. Do you know what I mean? And on that level, it entertained me for 90 minutes. I didn't get bored. Um, you can look at it now and think, yeah, you can like the whole doctor's half human thing and you, you can poke holes if you want to, but I still enjoy it a lot. I enjoy the performances. I think Eric Roberts gets so much unnecessary like flack as the master. Like he's fine. Like he's no more he's no more theatrical than, you know, Roger Delgado or Anthony Ainley was. Like the master in the classic series, and to some extent now, is, you know, a pantomime villain in the sense that they're very theatrical and they're very big. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Um the only thing I don't I can say I don't like is, you know, at the very beginning when there's the prologue and they're talking about the master being killed by the daleks and they have those really stupid like chipmunk voices going you know just not dalek voices and i learned through watching a documentary that apparently that was the director of the movie who really he's you know he was like right we need we need the dalek voices then but he just clearly either he was on a time crunch or he couldn't be bothered but he didn't research what the daleks were meant to sound like so he just gave his own interpretation which was apparently apparently that so yeah that's the i know that's the one thing i can be like yeah I, I objectively don't like that but some of the other points people criticize are saying oh sylvester mccoy gets gunned down like that's an unfitting end i'm like why like i think it's quite a it's quite a a good end for him because you know he was this doctor who was the master manipulator he was above you made you think he was above everything and then to be gunned down in such a simple way i think that's a, a perfect end to his doctor if he'd had this big grandiose death like fighting i don't know an evil god at the dawn of time like that would have been great but i don't know i just kind of like the simpleness of it do you know what i mean like it's not 
it's not this big ending for him. He literally just lands in the wrong place at the wrong time and gets gunned down. Well, I I quite liked the idea of what they were trying to go for because the way it was was Fox, who created the film, tried to make it into its own American counterpart version of the show, which is a good idea when you think about it. But when you look at the ratings, because I I saw it on another documentary you've probably already seen, but they explained that it was more popular in the UK than it was in America, but it didn't didn't go ahead with a full series because of the fact that the Americans didn't really like it. So so what they had done was they had just cancelled it there and then because they think, well, what's the point? Showing it, continuing it in the UK when they're trying to make an American counterpart. But upon the back of that, they wanted to make a spin-off that I really hate the sound of called Young Doctor, which sort of now looking back at it, is similar to Young Sheldon. What's your thoughts on the idea of a Young Doctor spin-off? Um, completely pointless. I mean, it's just... I'm all for maybe doing... I mean, they never will, probably. But if they did a series where it was, like, maybe about Gallifrey in the old time, but not necessarily featuring the Doctor, do you know what I mean? Just but about early Gallifrey civilization, I'd be down for that. Like, sort of what they do in the... Um, Gallifrey audio drama series, but if they made that a TV show, but no, the whole thing of like a young doctor, like I think there's there's certain properties where that sort of thing uh, works. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Well, it wasn't a TV show, but you know, like with James Bond, I don't know, they they did the young Bond series of books about how from a young boy James Bond was, you know, indoctrinated into MI6. But for that character, it works because yeah, it makes sense. Like I don't know, it just doesn't make sense for Doctor Who and. I mean, it's not the first time either. I don't know if you've... Uh, I, I remember... I think I read this in a big old Doctor Who book at the time. I think it was in the mid-60s. Uh, William Hartnell suggested um, that there be a spin-off show called The Son of Doctor Who. And everyone at the time was like, uh, no. So, so, Which might have been for the better, to be honest. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, my next question, which which is probably a controversial question, is what are your thoughts on Time Lord Victorious? Oh yes. Uh I've I've gone through various thoughts on it. When they first announced it about 6 months ago whenever it was, I was really excited. You know the idea that it was multiple doctors in multiple stories all interconnected. You know I like stuff like that. That's good. Then I learned it was across like, you know, 50 bajillion different mediums and I was a bit like, right. Okay. So you're telling me I've got to buy the comics and I've got to buy the audios and I've got to buy Doctor Who magazine. Oh, I have to go to an escape room as well and I've got to do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a nice idea, and I see the creators speak so positively on it. You know, oh, it's the first time anyone's doing this on this level, which is true, but I wonder how accessible it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, people, well, let's a lot of people will do everything, but you've got to have a big wallet to do it. And I know they're salvaging it by saying, oh, but you can say, you can just listen to the audios, and you'll still get a cohesive story, which is fine but that but then that's implying but if you want the full story you do have to buy literally everything so i debated it for months i was like am i going to do this am i not and i haven't done it i think again it's a cool idea it's not a bad idea um i just think they've spread it across too many mediums if they just say just done it between the audios and i don't know like books like just those two that's more accessible doing it across audios, books, a YouTube animated series, an escape room. And do you know what I mean? It gets a bit too ridiculous. And that, that Dalek spin-off show, like, I'll probably watch it when it comes out, but please don't tell me I'm the only one who literally thinks the animation's like from the 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 early days of the PlayStation 2. Like, it's... I don't I don't like the way it looks either. But to be fair, I think they were also trying to cash in on, on how popular YouTube is. But I would love them to release it on DVD at some point so then you can add it into your whole Time World Victorious collection because a lot of people might just rip it off YouTube and burn it onto a DVD. But I prefer them to bring, make an official DVD for it so you'd be yeah. watching it thinking, well, it was made for YouTube but you can get a higher quality version on DVD. But they also, the bit that I find a bit confusing, is they also bring in different YouTubers, which is like kind of thinking, well, what, what, why are they doing that? Are they trying to get more money or what? It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I saw the, um, I watched the live stream for um, the Daleks anime, you know, talking with the cast and crew and that. And to be fair to Joe Sog, who of course they've got on it, like he is a Doctor Who fan. He's not just been plucked from a random selection pool. And 
Um, so I think it's one of those things that, and again, we all do it. I think a lot of people are prejudging the performances before we've seen anything, like before we've seen the first episode. And it was, you know, it was the same when Jodie was cast. It was the same when uh, Matt Smith was cast. I It's so funny for me looking back because when Matt Smith got announced, I was 13, right? And I remember at the time, everyone in my like circle of friends, and I mean, everyone was like, oh, this guy will be re- like, he's really bad. Like, he won't be a good doctor. And I was like, what are you basing this on? Like, the guy hasn't done anything yet. And now I look back and everyone's like, oh, yeah, Matt Smith. Like, he's really great. I love him so much, blah, blah, blah. And to be honest, I think to some extent, maybe not to the same level, but I think the same extent it'll happen with Jodie. Like, I think in 10 years, people will look back and, you know, say, oh, wasn't she brilliant? And all that sort of stuff. Because I think Matt Smith was the most popular doctor of the modern era because when it came out, I think I was in, I can't remember how old I was in, but I was in like year one or year two at the time. And, and the Doctor Who training cards that were that were around for Matt Smith was like blowing up the schools. Like when Pokemon cards used to be tradable, you would trade in Doctor Who cards left, right and centre. And then after Matt Smith, it all just went kaput. Everyone just stopped watching it and just only the loyal fans stayed on, on board to watch it. And, and it was just like really mental of how big Doctor Who was and then just to vanish straight away. Yeah, it was it, it was the same when I was in primary school, although with me it was with David Tennant because, of course, the show came back when I was nine, so I was in year four at the time. And that first year, it wasn't, like, massive with Chris Eccleston, but, you know, everyone was talking about it. We all watched it in the class. But then when that when season two came out and when I was in year five, oh, my God, Doctor Who was everywhere in school. Like, we were, we were putting, like, we were doing, like, Doctor Who clubs and putting, like, you know, posters on the walls and... Do it and play in, um, you know, Doctor Who in the playground. You know, it was literally. I, you're right. Yeah, it was huge. But then when I got to secondary school, which was when, well, Matt Smith kicked off when I was in about year nine, so everyone's a bit older. You know, sure, you weren't doing posters, you weren't running around playing Doctor Who at age fourteen because you probably got bullied. Um, but it, you know, it was still talked about. But I think a lot of my friends even then thought, oh yeah, Doctor Who. That was the thing I enjoyed when I was in primary school but now I'm past it. They didn't think it was bad. I think Pete, sometimes, you know, you grow out of things sometimes and that's perfectly normal. Yeah, and then and then reeling it back to Time Lord Victorious, um, the thing that really confuses me, because it's like a massive story, I don't know how you get your figures involved in, in a massive story that's supposed to be telling you all this and then there's just figures that you're just going to plonk down on your desk and they're not even going to tell you anything because they're like, like those figures you can buy monthly that I, I invest in that's took half my room up but it, it, it just makes no sense of how that's involved in a big yeah. story when it's only just two figures of a dalek yeah it's the same with i believe they're releasing a t-shirt that's like glow in the dark but then on the uh, on when it glows in the dark it has like a message which ties into the story which you can either look at as oh that's really novel and i but i'm like that's also really daft like you're asking people to spend I don't know how much it is, but, you know, like 15, 20 pounds on a T-shirt just to keep up with the story. Like, that's where I think it goes a bit too far. Yeah. I think I think, I think think it, it's... They want you to pay for this because Doctor Who Merchandise hasn't been doing too well, apart from the DVDs that are ever striving and ever going mm. forward and people really wanting them. But the other merchandise isn't as isn't as going as well for the BBC, so they wanted to cash it in and pay get more people to be invested in the merchandise because for not too long it could all disappear and we would want the show to still be around so so this could be like a big deploy from to get them like a campaign of some sort for more people to we want you to buy this product because it will save the show as a whole because as as tv itself from my point of view tv moving from its traditional form as it is now to streaming and they want Doctor Who to still be as British staple in our British diet as you will. Yeah and I mean I think you are absolutely right I think Doctor Who will always be with us in some way because I mean it's so engraved in British pop culture now that I don't think it could be erased even if people tried like yeah it'll probably go off the air again you know someday but I don't think it will ever be truly killed off um but yeah i mean with the merchandise aspect there's two things that's just popped into my head one that does really well is the sets you know released in b&m by character options they do really well like i mean i see scalpers on ebay selling them like for twice 
three times the price. I've only bought one of those sets, actually. It was the one with the, the movie Dalek. Well, we, we're not calling them the movie Daleks. It's the Daleks from the chase in the background. So, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, I'll be really quick on this. Um, they are basically the movie Daleks from the, you know, the design. It's exactly the same. But because the BBC doesn't own the rights to the movies, um, they've had to obviously pull from their TV stories. And in the chase, if you look in the background in, I think, episode three or five, you can see a movie Dalek because they borrowed the prop. So how character options have done it, they're like, oh, look, it's the background Daleks from the chase. They're definitely not movie Daleks. So that's how they've got around it. So I bought that sex. I thought that was pretty cool. But I pre-ordered that and it was uh, 30 pounds. But even um, on day one, when it, when it arrived at my house, I went on eBay. I was like, oh, I'll see what, you know. And already there were people selling it for 60, 70, 80. And I was like, you people need to stop. Um, but the other merchandise thing uh, is the Time Love Victorious Blu-ray. Um, absolutely pointless, in my opinion. I'd, I'd like... I get it. They're trying to be like, oh, look, it's it's seven stories that l link in. Coincidence that those seven stories have already been released on Blu-ray, including the the classic ones. And I'm just like, it's a it feels more like a cash grab. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel like a genuine. They thought, oh, this story might have Daleks in it. And like, does the Curse of Fenric have anything to do with Time Lord Victorious? Has that been because that's on there? And I'm like, what does that have to do? With Time Lord Victor, unless they're going to do this big reveal like later on that oh it's all it was all Fenric like I just don't get why it's on there apart from oh we've already done the HD Master for the season twenty six set so we'll just throw that on there yeah so yeah well I'm I'm gonna buy it because it I think personally that it will fit well in my spin off collection and um, and it'll also just say that Time Lord Victorious has happened and here's my DVD evidence and I've got every single part of Doctor Who because you, cause then with with having your main range of Doctor Who you'll also then have your spin-offs such as Sarah Jane Adventures, Class, Torchwood and then the Australian canine show as well with Time Lord Victorious which will fit in neatly because then the BBC can then say well this we have released something TV wise to do with this big franchise that that are orchestrated by Big Finish mainly. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd say to anyone listening, if there's only like one aspect of Time Lord Victorious that you are gonna pick up, it maybe the Blu-ray would be the best shout. But yeah, I just think for me, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. But <laughs> but that's fair enough if you want to get it. Like if people want to get it, fair enough. I just it's not for me. I know it's not for me. So um, what's your thoughts on Blu-rays in general? Not just like your big Blu-ray sets, but the Blu-rays of the normal DVDs. Because I I find them like not as good because it's like not everyone has a blu-ray player but some mm. dvds such as the tv movies better on blu-ray because you're gonna get it in full english and you won't have to go into settings and change it from dutch to english yes. which kind of i thought was a bit bizarre but yeah. what do you thoughts on blu-rays in general i've been like for the past 10 years before i've been i've been such a blu-ray snob i've been like no not doing it like i because it came out like 2007 like the whole format and i think they did it too early like dvd was everywhere and like no one was going to upgrade and even now it hasn't really replaced dvd as they wanted it to and yeah for years i was like no i was like i don't see the point it's a waste of money blah 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 and then i got a playstation 4 which of course has blu-ray capability and i'm slowly starting to convert ironically now that 4k has come out but i'm not jumping on 4k that can that's that is a waste of time um, but yeah, Blu-ray in Doctor Who, I mean, let's put it this way. If you're going to get a Blu-ray, you, it's going to look the best, like, you know, picture quality wise. That's just a given because that's the format. Um, I just don't like how even for, well, I've got the modern series on Blu-ray, but I've got them in the steelbook releases they've been doing, which, um, if, let's just say, if you didn't get them when they came out, they all cost you a lot of money. Like, I think the season one, uh, sorry, the Christopher Eccleston set now, if you want to buy that used, it's going to cost you about 150 quid. Like, it is it is ridiculous. Yeah, and they might not fit in your collection properly if you go from DVDs and the blue and the steelbooks, which are incredibly small. I have the Jodie Whittaker steelbooks, because they're, like, they're Amazon exclusives, which probably aren't. But when you look at them in the collection, they're a lot smaller than your average DVD. They are. I mean, what I've done with mine is mine is sort of forward-facing. 
you know, I've got them facing outwards, so they're not in line with the others, so it doesn't look as bad. But um, yeah, I just think, yeah, it ruins the uniformity a bit. And I mean, as I say, in terms of classic who, you've, there's currently going to be a mishmash because I think there's seven classic seasons now that have, you know, Blu-ray sets if you want them. But then you've still got the other 19 seasons on DVD. So, of course, the cases are taller and they've obviously got the uniform spines and stuff. And I mean, I do long for the day, I will admit, when they release all 26 seasons on Blu-ray and then my shelf will be half the size and I'll have so much space to put like Big Finish or whatever. Like, I think it will happen, but it's going to take a very long time. And of course, with the 60s stuff, who knows if they're even going to do it, you know, with the missing stories, are they going to animate everything and I mean, I don't know if, you, if you've seen much of the animated ones. Uh, I, I watched the Fury from the Deep one the other month. And yeah, I mean, it was good. I, although I think for me, I prefer Fury from the Deep just as an audio story. There were parts of it where I, I shut my eyes just to like, you know, experiment with it. And I'm, I'm like, this is so much better as an audio adventure than a visual adventure. But yeah. Yeah, but uh, then then when what I quite like is what, well, not the BBC, but... The Britbox, which is one of my favourite streaming services, which is BBC, ITV, Channel 5, Channel 4, Film 4, Comedy Central UK, which is a big mouthful. What I quite like what they do with this is that they put in every episode, 600 episodes of Doctor Who and Classic Who, including K9 and Company, plus the Peter Cushing films. I quite like what they do with that is because nowadays not a lot of people have enough room for so many DVDs and I like how they're making it compact for for people that love Doctor Who but might not have enough room or enough money to spend on this but have like just enough for a streaming service and I quite like the way they campaign it because with the advert it's got Tom Baker talking about Doctor Who which I quite like but what's your thoughts on how big how the BBC big Britbox, sorry, how Britbox are running with the whole Doctor Who franchise. I mean, I think they're doing it well in terms of what they're putting a lot of classic Who out there and stuff. I just think, sadly, for the Britbox service, classic Doctor Who isn't enough for it to succeed, you know, as much as we think it is. Um, Because if you think with all the streaming services now, you know, Netflix, Disney Plus, all that sort of stuff, what's really making them successful, aside from their back catalogue, is original programming. Like, that's how Netflix got really big. Disney's starting to do it with, like, The Mandalorian and all that sort of stuff. And yet, and BritBox at the minute, as far as I know, the only new show, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the only, like, original show I've seen is the new Spitting Image. Yeah, but they, they are developing new crime dramas, which which, oh, okay. which is what, what they want to do is that with Spitting Image is that they're going through each week the intro for how they present the originals are improving so if doctor who ever does decide to come to streaming and and by that point i hope it does come to britbox because i think i think that would work then the bbc could put more money into it because that's what that's what i think could make doctor who the best because then because then you've got doctor who all in one home the only thing i think they need to do is add the new who and all the rest of the bbc owned spin-offs because i don't think they'll be able to add the k9 spin-off because that's an australian disney xd channel 5 type Mm. production yeah if anything that might be on disney plus if it's part disney owned but yeah no i think i think you're right it's the mixture isn't it it's they need to put everything on but that new programming needs to come quick, I think. Like, I think the one advantage of um, Disney Plus when it started, more so in America rather than here, but um, they had that original programming like ready to go. Um, whereas BritBox, when it launched, it didn't have Spitting Image straight away. You know, it was like, oh, we've got this great back catalogue, which to fans like us of like classic TV in general is great. But for the general public who watches, you know, modern telly, they're not going to be bothered in a service where it's all old tv so yeah spitting image i've heard good reviews and i believe sometime soon they're broadcasting an episode on itv as like a pitch to try and yeah uh th- this is a massive sidetrack to doctor who but on the 31st of october they're releasing part one at 10 p.m on itv when you can watch part one and part two from midnight on the 31st but they're doing it on itv as well because i think they're trying to trying to say, well, this is what we're doing on BritBox, even though when it first launched, every ad break was a spitting image ad break. Yeah. No, I think it'll be interesting to see how BritBox um, develops. Of course, it's really successful in America, 
But I get why there, because they've got this now back catalogue of all these British shows that they didn't have access to before. So it makes sense why it's popular over there. I just think here they need to they need to hurry up with that original programming. But over there, where it's different for us, they don't have the Peter Cushing original films, where we have the Peter Cushing original films, which aren't the BBC, but it's a good add-on, because then if... Because then if people want to watch Doctor Who outside of its actual show, they can watch the film. The thing that annoys me about the films is the way they spell the word Doctor Who. Because they spell it the really short way when most fans know you don't spell it D-R. You spell it how you would spell Doctor. Uh, that's true. But I mean, yeah, it was a different time in the 60s. I mean, in all those Hartnell episodes, he is credited as D-R Who. You know, so it's a different time, I guess. Yeah. So. Now, my final question for this episode of Doctor Who Discussion is, what's your thoughts on the Doctor Who spin-off? So when I say spin-off, I mean all of them, including the, the ones from the new era, plus K9 and Company, plus the Australian K9 televisual okay. programme, and this up-and-coming K9 show that CBBC are hopefully going to make similar to the Sarah Jane Adventures. Okay, well, I hadn't heard about the new K9 show coming. I hope that comes up, uh, happens. But K9 and Company, yeah, forget it. No, I, I have, I have watched it. I actually watched it for the first time this year. It's a weird one because I got it on DVD years ago because it came with the Invisible Enemy, didn't it, in that double box set? And I watched the Invisible Enemy, and I think I was like, yeah, I'll watch K9 and Company, and then just never did. So I finally watched it, and it's, it's I mean, <laughs> they tried. I just think. K9, I think, not as a character, but more as a practical prop, has so many, especially back then, had so many limitations. It's very difficult, I think, to make it exciting enough um, for that audience. So, no, I'm not really bothered about K9 and company not getting a full series. Um, and then, like, Torchwood. Uh, do you know what? I haven't seen Torchwood all the way through. I've seen I've seen season three, The Children of Earth, because that broadcast on bbc one the reason is when it came out in 2006 or whenever it was it was on bbc3 and back then uh bbc3 was a, a tv channel not like it is now it's only online but it was a uh free view you know bonus and at the time we didn't have free view we only had access to channels you know bbc1 bbc2 itv channel 4 and channel 5 so i couldn't physically watch torchwood when it aired and to be honest i think i would i was a bit too young i mean i was 10 I, I was as well when I first got the books. It was a bit too mature for me, but I really enjoyed Children of Earth. That's my favourite series of the whole thing. Mm. But the fourth series, there's just there's no point watching because they mess up the for format. And then when you watch in Australia, which you'll find on the internet, it does say Torchwood will be back. But when then uh. we're here, I don't know how many years later, but no, no Torchwood. But I like how big finished continue the story on so the ones the big finished ones i've got are series five but i just i just didn't see the point of series four because a it involved america which made no sense but they also added characters and then made they made another version of captain jack who's rex i think it's like rex tyler or something he's a cia agent that now can never die which makes no sense but the series one to three are the best series and are the series worth getting but series four i watched it i think it was like not last summer but the summer before i was watching all the spin-offs and i watched the four series it was a bit sad in places because i don't know why they were doing stuff like that but it's a bit sad in places but it's also a bit bizarre in places so i i, I would recommend buying the series one to three box set because that's better and more worth it and series four has now to do with the rest of the show Oh, it sounds... I mean, I'm probably going to try and get it for Christmas this year, like the complete box set, because it's one of those things I have been meaning to get around to watching, like, in full for a long time now. So hopefully I'll do that. And um, with the Sarah Jane Adventures, yeah, I I watched it... I think I watched the first two or three seasons, like, like when they were on, so, like, 2007, 8, 9, because uh, I had CBBC and all that. Um. I think I didn't watch series four and five at the time only because that was a time I was going into secondary school like and I didn't really watch CBBC as a whole. You know, I was whereas, you know, primary school, I'd always come in home from school. Oh, yeah, let's watch CBBC for two hours. 
Whereas when I got to secondary school, it was more about let's go on the Xbox with your mates for a few. Do you know what I mean? It was a, it was a bit of a. Sh- I have seen them all now in hindsight, and yet it, I think for what it was trying to do, you know, for that age demographic, it was a good show. And I know they would have kept making more if, Liz, you know, if Liz Sladen sadly hadn't passed away when she did. Um, but yeah, no, I love that spinoff. Class, I think Class gets a lot of flack. Class was not a bad show, guys. Like I, I'm, I watched it when it came out. I watched all eight episodes. Was it flawed in places? Yeah. Was it a bit cringe in places? Yeah. That's a. You know what? Anything made by the BBC where it involves like doing teenagers in school, there's always at least one line where they're trying to do like, oh, this is what the kids are saying, and it just comes off as being like so cringe. I think um, for class, they shouldn't have changed what they were doing because class. If you watch, if you watch, um, I, I can't remember the school's called, but if you watch it in the main show, and then you watch class, you're thinking. Well, that makes no sense because those kids weren't there when Clara Oswald worked at, insert school name here that's escaped my mind, but it, it makes Cole no Hill? sense. Yeah, that's it, Cole Hill. Yeah. But it changed. Like, all the characters that you thought might be in this weren't. But then I thought to make this show successful, they should have put it on to BBC One instead of BBC Three because you know, not everyone wants to go and watch a whole series on the BBC iPlayer. They want to watch it weekly and they want to be investing it over a, a period of time rather than watching it all at once. No, yeah, I think the big mistake they made was because they did... I remember they did start airing them on BBC One, but they aired them at, like, half midnight, you know, at times that no one was going to gonna watch it. So I think, yeah, they, they made... I, I get why they did what they did because I think that was literally the exact time BBC Three moved to being a digital... I mean, online-only channel. So they needed something to try and promote it. So I get it. But I think it deserved a series too. Honestly, like the writing was good. Patrick Ness is a good writer. And I mean, series one ended on a freaking cliffhanger. And even and it's annoying now because my class DVD, of course, what does it say right at the bottom on the front cover? Series one. And you just look at it and think, ah, yes, series one. Big Finish. I think what Big Finish tried to do with class was make a series two onwards but it wasn't as successful because there's, there's some anniversary on at the moment for it but you listen to how they've done the theme tune because the theme tune for class is an actual song so copyright the big finish can't use the same theme tune but it makes the shows un un unsimilar but it is the exact same cast which makes it more hopeful that one day if it ever came back to tv they could it's like with torchwood will they include all the information from big finish if the show ever came back because in big finish it's saying that they made a whole new torchwood but in the actual show captain jacks disappeared as a time as a rogue time travel just bouncing from period to period to place to place to try and find the doctor again which isn't what Torchwood was in the audios. Yeah, I think, I hate to be a downer on it, but I honestly think shows like uh, Torchwood in class, like, I think they are dead in the sense of having a TV revival as much as we all want them. I mean, I remember when Captain Jack popped up in series 12, I saw everyone on Twitter was like, this is it. This is the announcement that Torchwood's coming back and John Barrowman's going to, like, write and produce it all. And, you know, just really really silly stuff and i just remember reading thinking that is very you know that would be nice but the thing is i think in tv once shows 90 percent of tv shows have you know their time and a shelf life it's in very rare exceptions with shows like doctor who that can just come back um i think with torchwood and class even though they are connected to that universe i think the time for getting it back on tv is has gone so i don't think it's gonna happen but if it ever did for torchwood it definitely you would have to think would it still work now on bbc3 because bbc3 i didn't think should go digital because they've just they've just messed up what what the plan was but with torchwood now being available on the bbc iplayer for you to go and watch it's bringing new fans into it but if they ever came back they might have to turn it down for b for bbc1 or or what or just like just leave it as it is because for for bbc3 BBC Three should come back as a normal channel because it worked as it was. Because it used to show old Doctor Who, it used to show Doctor Who Confidential, and then Series C had its own Doctor Who Confidential program. But I think 
it won't work as well. It's like with the K9 spin-off that we're going to move on to in a minute, but the K9 spin-off that was Australian, for me, I used to watch it, but it used to be on really early in the morning, uh, just after Sweet Life of Zack Cody on Disney XD, because I never saw it when it was on Channel 5, but it ruined K9 for me a bit, because it made K9 into a different-looking robot, and his whole backstory had now to do with Doctor Who, because... I don't know whether Disney had anything to do with it, but Disney at the time was trying to grasp back the British public because they were also showing Doctor Who at the time, which I think was a bit too bizarre because if they do that, that means that they could be on Disney Plus and the BBC could end up losing the rights and then they could make make it into like a film that will be like as horror will be horrible because they won't they don't have the same audience as the BBC does. The BBC have a special audience, whereas Disney have a family audience. And with Doctor Who, some stories are a bit more emotional and a bit more too, what the, too anti-Disney for what Disney are going for. But did you ever watch the, I think it was like 2007, K9 spin-off? I did not. Uh, when I say I only had the f- five channels to watch as a kid, I say for some our channel five reception was awful. Like I remember the few times I ever swapped onto it, the picture was blur. This is for any really young viewers. This is before the days of digital and all this sort of stuff. You know, TV aerials and whatnot. And yeah, we could just never pick up channel five. So no, I didn't watch it. But I think even when it came out, I think I sensed I was because I remember reading about it in Doctor Who magazine, and I think I was a bit too old for it then. Like I think. When, you know, when Sarah Jane started and um, I was just the right age for that, like, you know, the right demographic. When K9 started, I felt I was past it. And a lot of those Disney pastiches, you know, and I think the reason why it's got no tie to Doctor Who is from what I understand, uh, the BBC doesn't own the rights to K9 specifically. That's to the uh, the writers of the first K9 story, which is Bob Bar- uh, sorry Bob Baker and Dave Martin. So obviously they introduced the character. So from what I understand, uh, what must have happened is, you know, either Bob Baker approached Disney or vice versa and said, you know, we want to do a K-9 show. And he would have been able to do that. But as long as he didn't mention Doctor Who, because, of course, that's the BBC's copyright and they probably would never let that slip onto Disney. You know, so that's probably I think that's what people forget. Like a lot of the older Doctor Who characters, K-9, the Daleks, all that sort of stuff. The BBC don't own them outright. You know, they're all owned by the people who wrote the script so you know the daleks it's the terry nation estate where the cybermen it's um kit peddler's estate um the bbc doesn't own a lot of its uh big monsters which is uh quite surprising i mean i don't know if you know the story about um when it was coming back with christopher eccleston how they almost didn't get the daleks yeah so i mean for anyone who doesn't i'll rattle through it quickly don't worry but for anyone who doesn't know um obviously the chris eccleston episode where the daleks came back was just called dalek with the one dalek but for a few months, the Terry Nation estate uh, said no. They were like, we don't want the Daleks to be in this new Doctor Who series. We don't think it's going to be very good, so you can't use them. And they had to draft a backup plan, which eventually turned into the Toclophane, which we saw in Series 3. So isn't it weird how you can imagine Dalek, but imagine Dalek, but with the Toclophane instead. Like, that would have been very strange. But, of course, thankfully, they all worked it out, and we got the Daleks. And But, yeah, as far as I know, though, they have to ask the Terry Nation estate, or at least pay them every time they use the Daleks because it's not theirs. And do you think Doctor Who could potentially, this this is hypothetically, could ever come to Disney Plus because he did a one-point show from all of David Tennant's era of Doctor Who on Disney XD, but sadly Disney XD is no longer around. But I think when it was on, I, I didn't personally watch it because I was more of a, I was more of a trying to watch more British programming because because I, we have we had Sky we have still have Sky but it was it was on a, it was on quite a bit but I did watch a lot of CBC and I saw a lot of it all airing but do you reckon it could ever come to Disney Plus hypothetically because I don't think the BBC would let them but could it yeah. ever? I think it would only ever come to Disney Plus if the BBC. Um, well, first, if BritBox failed, I think as long as the BBC and Disney have streaming services, you know, up and running, competing, it'll never happen. Um, if BritBox goes under, um, there might be a chance, but I think they're more likely to go with Netflix first because, of course, they have a history with putting Doctor Who on 
Netflix. And to be honest, Disney is such like a it's a hugely different, you know, entity to the BBC in terms of like size and money. Like Disney could probably I mean, as they are doing with other companies, they could probably buy the BBC if they wanted to, but I mean there's probably some legal stuff because the BBC is a public broadcaster anyway. But um no, but my answer is no, I don't think it will ever happen, not really, unless it only happens in like American territories, you know, as a way for them to see it. But in this country, I don't think we will ever see Doctor Who on a Disney platform. Because well, cause when I, cause I watch, you, when you go on YouTube, you end up seeing your American YouTuber more likely than a British YouTuber. But what uh, well, they were mentioning, when HBO Max came out, that had New Who on there, but then the American Britbox has Classic Who, which I think is is like a massive drastic but one day we will we will live in a world where we'll have doctor who all in one place like new who and classic who will be together one day because i think that would make britbox or any streamers of in fact really popular within the new who will well within the whovian community really yeah, I think I think it'll happen one day. I don't know why the new Who stuff isn't on BritBox now. I don't know whether it's a like an agreement they've done because, of course, all of New Who at the minute's on a BBC iPlayer. Um, so maybe they don't want to spread. Because I mean, if you think about it from a consumer point, if it goes on BritBox as well as iPlayer, people might think, well, why would I spend six pounds a month on a streaming service when I can watch them for free? Um, so maybe when they go off iPlayer, if they ever do, maybe then they'll go on BritBox uh, as sort of saying, you've had them for a year for free. Now, if you want them, you got to pay. I mean, it's all, they'll have worked it out, I'm sure. I think, yeah, BritBox will eventually have New Who on it as well. I've got no doubt about that. Uh, it's just a matter of time. But yeah, so we'll wrap, we'll wrap that up here. Thank you for joining me in this adventure into my first ever interview on the Doctor in Discussion podcast. No, thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to help a fellow creator out. I think everyone needs to do a bit more of that, quite frankly. I think it gets, you know, a bit too competitive. But yeah, it's been nice to come on and chat about Doctor Who. His link will be in the top line of the description. Uh, so if you want to go and subscribe to him, links there. And the links to all my other channels, podcasts, and everything that you could possibly want from the Tom Mason franchise. Ooh. Uh, is all in the description. So, anyway, guys, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for watching if you're watching on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening if you're listening to it on either SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Time Lord Tom out. Bye!